0: Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing. My name is Jody Jenkins. And
1: I'm Tony Clement.
0: And Tony, you and I played golf just a couple days ago. And one of the conversations, I hate to work this And industry, But hold on, we're, but, we're in the but. same
1: spot. We're, we're yeah, yeah. together. we're in the
0: studio, that's true. That's we're true. in the studio, that's the big news. But I gotta tell this story. Okay, gotta, tell gotta, the story, tell the story. You know, the big news was we played golf and you got off the tee very well. And I, I hate working this... Podcast that I'm about to mention into our show all the time, but we got talking a couple holes in about the Hurley Burley and Scott Reed and how they won't even you know try and come on our show, like won't even make time for us. We, we are we are
1: dead. We are dead to that. Yeah, we, they won't even respond to my tweets. No, they're they're, yeah, kinda, they're showing uh, no professional courtesy whatsoever. It's
0: and shocking. Uh, anyway, so the the offer still stands for the hosts of the second best podcast in Canada, that being the Hurley Burley. Um, David Hurley, Jenny Byrne, Scott Reed. They can come on the show anytime. They can, they're
1: always welcome, and we'll be, a, we'll be a safe space for them. I promise.
0: Yes, so we would love to have them. So we are continuing with episodes based on the leadership race for the Conservative Party, which is very timely. Obviously, we are in the...
1: The throes of that. Well, the ballots uh, ha, are starting to be mailed, yes. so it's uh, it's time to make up, time. Make up your minds, folks. It's decision two, time. Two hundred and sixty nine thousand members. Decision so. time. <laughs> That's right. We need a we need <laughs> a little uh, piano entree for that. But quick, anyway. quick
0: impression um, before we get into yeah, our next guest. Sure. Who am I? We took on debt, so you wouldn't have to.
1: Oh, that was classic, <laughs> Justin Trudeau. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Anybody who
1: knows about who's really paying the debt would uh, laugh at that for sure. We took your job so you wouldn't have to quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh, what a what good. a time to be alive. What can I anyway, tell you?
0: Uh, great segue. Our guest today is one of the conservative leadership candidates we are proud to welcome. He is the mp for. I, I, I'm, like, right beside this writing, so I hope I don't screw it up. Hastings, Frontenac, Lennox, no, and Addington? No, no, no. Hastings, Lennox, and Addington. That's it. Okay. You got it. Frontenac was probably the old, would it have included the old one? I think so. It was in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So let's welcome Mr. Derek Sloan to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: And and I'm sorry about screwing up the name of your riding.
1: <laughs> That's one thing about MPs. I uh, they always like their riding to be mentioned and mentioned correctly. I was many a time introduced as the MP for Muskoka Perry Sound, and I always corrected it because it was Perry Sound Muskoka. And if you didn't correct it, oh. then Perry Sound would be re- mighty torqued off. So I understand why Derek might want us to know that it is Hastings, Lennox, and Addington riding. So welcome to the program. Uh, do you want to start off, Jody, or shall I? Or what, what would I, you I was do? just
0: going to get Derek, you know, ease into this yeah. by asking Derek about uh, face masks. Because we actually, <laughs> believe it or not, obviously it's a timely thing. Uh, we joked about it off air, about having to wear one while doing a, an interview. But, Derek, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this whole face mask situation, mandatory face mask. Because it does seem it's very polarizing you're either you're on one side or the other there is no gray area and we actually had an email from a listener dan who wanted me to ask derek about oh that's face right. masks Yes. so, so what are you what are your what 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 comes to mind what do you feel about face masks
2: well I, I think mandatory face masks are unnecessary i think if people want to wear them that's that's fine um it, i mean it seems a little draconian to me and i don't want to downplay people's fears but uh it seems a little bit over the top particularly in uh in the land of the free over here
0: so if you go out to walmart derek are you i mean with the mandatory i'm assuming you're going to say yes you're going to be wearing a mask but would would you prefer not to or are you fine look i'll just, I'm, i'll wear a mask regardless you
2: No, know, i haven't i haven't been wearing a mask uh no i haven't been in public in in, uh, in large, you know, with lots of crowds, uh, very often I've been to Walmart a couple of times, um, but I haven't been wearing a mask. Now now that we have uh, in my riding, uh, both counties in my riding are now doing uh, mandatory masks, so uh, I will obviously uh, uh, you know follow follow through on that. But uh, before that, no, I wasn't.
0: And full disclosure, Derek's children and my children go to the same school, and I saw oh. your family. I saw your family at Walmart. They were all wearing masks. A couple of weeks ago, myself and my daughter were not. Oh. and actually, my daughter said, "There's, you know, uh, from her class. Right. I won't say the name, but uh, yeah." So your whole family was wearing masks, kids included, which I thought was pretty impressive.
1: And you were being the rebel there. Jerry. Well, he
0: wasn't. Yeah, I was. But yeah, you. Derek were. wasn't there
1: even around. So. No, 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 no.
0: Yeah, but. I was pulling an Andrew Sheer.
1: That's right. Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> he was caught out there at Pearson Airport. So there. you So go.
0: Derek, let's let's talk about the race to date. I'd be curious, I mean, you, I mean, if we're being completely honest, coming out of the gates, you took a lot of heat on some issues. Um, I'd be interested to know, that seems to have died down quite a bit. I'd be interested to know your take on the race so far from your perspective and how you feel you've done.
2: Well, I think I, I mean, I think I've exceeded expectations on all fronts. I mean, uh, nobody thought I could raise the money to get in, and of course, we've raised, Uh, a significant amount of money. I I expect that we'll raise a million dollars before all is said and done. Um, You know, obviously there's been some controversial issues, but um, it was my intention getting into this race to prove that uh, we can't shy away from controversy. It doesn't necessarily mean that we go looking for it, but we have to stand our ground as conservatives. And I hope I've uh, been an example of the type of message that I'm preaching
1: you uh, took a strong stand early on against the World Health Organization and the United Nations more generally. And uh, I, listen, I, I want to go on the record to say I'm very disappointed in the WHO and uh, some of the positions they took and some of the, uh, the the advice that they took and then went back on the advice and saying that China was doing a great job uh, containing COVID and all of those uh, kinds of things. And then we, ha- we had the debacle of... Uh, of uh, Justin Trudeau spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get a seat on this, a temporary seat on the Security Council, the UN Security Council, which uh, had Canada coming in third in that race. So uh, I bet you feel a little bit vindicated at this point. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think now nobody questions the fact that uh, the World Health Organization messed up, that Dr. Theresa Tam was, was giving us uh, inappropriate advice. Uh, So, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel pretty good. I rarely get criticized about this uh, anymore. And uh, I'm glad to have uh, raised uh, raised that issue when I did.
1: Is there a global conspiracy, globalist conspiracy, and is Justin Trudeau part of it?
2: Well, I think that's, I think that's a little, I think that's a little bit simplified. I mean, certainly there's international organizations that, uh, do not operate with Canada's best interest at heart. Their uh, organizations like the World Health Organization seem to be uh, unduly influenced by, by communist China. I, I don't think there's any, uh, anything uh, anyone can argue with that. Um, and, and Justin Trudeau buys into this. Um, you know, whether he's doing it uh, with a sinister intention or just out of complete naivety, there's no question that he prioritizes these organizations. And I think we need to be skeptical of them. And distance ourselves from many of them, and I've been uh, very clear on that.
1: You know, we're seeing uh, an increasingly aggressive China, uh, the People's Republic of China, and uh, and I want to distinguish between the people of China and the government of China. We're talking about the government of China here and uh, it's increasingly adversarial. It is uh, increasingly trying to bend uh, institutions and countries to its will. How, uh, how do you see that threat and how would you stand up to China?
2: So it is a threat, and we have to start playing hardball. Um, we can't do it on our own, so we have to be working with other allies that are of a similar mind, uh, the United States and other, other uh, countries in, in uh, Western Europe. Um, we have to stand up to China I've been um, I've suggested that we need to have uh, an anti-infiltration task force here in Canada that combines elements of intelligence the military and police to really ferret out the influence that we're seeing uh, predominantly from China but there's also Iran uh, radical Islamism and even uh, uh, radical environmental groups and we need to get to the bottom of... I mean, CSIS has come out with, with reports for decades now talking about uh, communist China influence in Canada. We know about uh, uh, influence on, on campuses. We know about intellectual property theft. We have to target this, and we have to start making some arrests. Um, you know, when we start doing stuff like that, we can have uh, some bargaining chips to deal with, uh, you know, the, the, the two Michaels there that were detained over there. So I think we do need to up the ante. Uh, China doesn't, uh, doesn't respond to friendliness and doesn't respond to, uh, you know, the openness of Justin Trudeau. So we do, have to, we do have to take that very seriously.
1: Do you think that Justin Trudeau has uh, really dropped the ball on this over the, over the years then? That's, uh, there's nothing redeeming about his, his approach to China?
2: Well, I, I, it, it appears his approach to, to China is to appease them. Um, it's always funny to see some of my caucus colleagues uh, like Aaron O'Toole, for example, uh, try to get their liberals to say the word Taiwan. I mean, it's just it's funny how far uh, they bend over to uh, appease China, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, uh, Justin Trudeau seems to think that uh, smiles and hugs will solve uh, most world problems, and i uh, I don't believe I don't believe that's the case.
0: Derek Sloan is one of the conservative leadership candidates. He is our guest here on, and another thing as we continue in a series with the candidates. I should mention, uh, Dr. Leslin Lewis has been on. Yes. Aaron O'Toole it will, has also agreed to come on. And? Uh, and Peter McKay, <laughs> big league dust. So what do you think? Hey, let, let's stick with, because I mean, I know you're- no, just to say what, that again. What, Peter, Peter McKay, McKay big league dust, but what? Big league dust. Big okay. league dust, yes. Okay, so he, he's not coming yeah. on. And I'm going to give Derek. Yes, that's what it means. Derek, a chance to take another swipe at Peter because Peter's been taking a lot of heat for not showing up at debates and not showing up at certain events. What do you think that says about someone who's running for leader that doesn't want to attend uh, what what people would perceive to be very important conversations that need to happen? What do you say about that, Derek?
2: Well, it seems to be based off a strategy that the more people see Peter, the less they like him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and it sounds funny, but I literally think that's the calculus this campaign is doing, and uh, it's, uh, it's telling.
1: You know, uh, I gotta I, I want to get back to first the principles just for a second, Derek, and again, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, tell, take us through your decision making on joining the race. I, I just, I always find it interesting to find out what was going on in a candidate's mind, you know, how, how they talked it through with their family and with their supporters. Uh, Andrew Sheer resigns in, uh, I think it was December. Uh, tell us how you came to decide that you, you should be in the race and uh, that you had the support to be in the race.
2: Well, it, it kind of goes back a little bit further. I um, I got into politics because of a, a very grave concern about the direction of the country. I never thought that I would be a politician up until a month or two before I entered the nomination. It wasn't a, a long-standing goal of mine. Um, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a small a small business a former small business owner and founder. Really, more of an entrepreneurial uh, mindset. I I always thought I would you know stay in business and in and, and found businesses. Um, I became concerned when I saw that the government was doing more than wasting. They were actively, uh, you know, coming after our freedoms, shutting down uh, legitimate debate. So I got into politics with the mindset of, look, I'm not here for a long career. I will do, uh, if a door opens, I'll uh, I'll walk through it. I I will do whatever it takes to to promote uh, and progress the conservative movement in Canada. so, uh, with that being said, I, I obviously did not expect Andrew Shear to resign when he did. Um, but when it happened, it triggered sort of the idea that I would like to take whatever opportunity I could to advance sort of a no uh, apologies uh, conservative approach. And obviously, there was a lot of hard thinking and, and praying, even uh, discussion with my wife. We actually had a um, we had a we, we had a retreat that was planned. We hadn't been away as a couple. Uh, for a couple of years, just being involved with the 2019 election and then my nomination race before. So we actually had already had a week planned in Manitoba. We went to a nice uh, little retreat up there. And uh, we just spent the week. Uh, I said, listen, this is what I want to do. You don't have to give me your answer now. Let's just, you know, think on it, pray on it. And my wife's the type of person that uh, she doesn't jump right away at things, but uh, she needs some time to think. But once she thinks it through, she's, she's rock solid. And so she had a couple of weeks. And she said, "You know what, Derek? I think you should do this, and I'm behind you 100." percent And so at that point, um, I decided to step forward, and uh, the rest is history.
1: Did you have a chat with your daughters about it, or are they too young at this point to understand what's going on? Well,
2: we we kind of uh, we kind of said that Daddy was going to be doing some more campaigning, and uh, they're they're you know roughly aware of what that means. That's that's what I've been doing anyways for the last uh, couple of years, with uh, leading up to 2019, and. Uh, and then the nomination before that. So they know that Daddy does politics. Uh, my little girl, when she's when she's saying grace for dinner, she'll she'll say thank you for Daddy's webinars. Uh, <laughs> so they have, they have some some loose uh, vocabulary, but I don't know if they fully uh, fully get what uh, what I'm doing.
0: Derek, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Maybe share a little bit about it's it's. I think it's the brutal, the most brutal part of any campaigns is the way that people treat. Individuals, especially ones they don't even know. And I would say you've taken a, a huge brunt of that. Um, Tony obviously has, has gone through that. I've gone through that being a candidate. And I don't think people understand to what level politicians are subjected to vitriol, um, abuse.
1: And apparently ex politicians. Yeah, and ex politicians, <laughs>
0: bullying and harassment. But maybe just share a little bit about what it's like because i always i look at i guess it's because our kids go to the same school so i look at it and i know that i had a one-year-old not to not to go off on my thing here but when i had a one-year-old and i'm kind of glad that she never she wasn't able to hear or see a lot of what because i went through a lot in 2015 but i just feel like your kids like is it tough to shield them from it uh what do they say what are your thoughts on it because it can get ugly
2: well, thankfully, my kids are not uh, old enough to be on Facebook or Twitter, so they're not um, they don't necessarily see some of the nastiness. Obviously, uh, my wife and I have been subject to uh, I mean, you, you you know how it is. I'm sure, Tony, uh, even with threats, you'll get, you know, random threats from people and sure. some of which are more serious than others. And we got um, we've gotten our share of those. Um, it is difficult. I um, I um, do not. Uh, I'm not the type of guy that needs to look at every comment on social media. I'm very uh, focused on my message. Uh, my wife has has learned the hard way that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to look through every comment stream. Yeah, um, There's a lot of positives, but a lot of nastiness. And it, it just speaks to the division that we have in, in our country right now. And uh, it's a shame.
0: Derek Sloan, one of the conservative leadership candidates. We have him for a couple more minutes. I wanted to get your thoughts, Derek, quickly on the general election, whenever that arises. But uh, let's let's assume that you win and you are the next conservative leader. I think one of the biggest problems we have as a party, and I, Tony may disagree, but I think we've chatted about this, is we have trouble connecting with the average voter because we talk about things that are, in my opinion, are just way, way over people's heads. And I don't say that in a rude way. It's just a reality. I'll give you a perfect example. Pierre Polyev is a great friend of mine, and I know he's the finance critic, but I think talking about trillions of debt, trillions and trillions of debt, it, it just, nobody can relate to that, and therefore it doesn't resonate with the average voter. So I'm curious, as leader, what are some of the items that you're going to be highlighting or that you think would put us in a position to defeat the Liberals?
2: Well, we have to talk about real solutions to real problems. And, I, and I, uh, I appreciate the work that we've done in the economy, but we usually have the approach that, well, we'll talk about debt, we'll talk about liberal corruption, but we won't touch controversy because controversy controversy will harm us. You know, the liberals trafficking controversy, uh, everything they do is, is controversial, and they love to bring things like Bill C-8, uh, which is, you know, in their words, the most progressive law of that type in the world. Um, we can't be afraid to—I mean, if, if conservatives can't criticize a bill that the liberals call the most progressive in the world, um, then they need to try harder. So what's, uh, what's Bill our, C-8
1: for our audience, uh, Derek?
2: Of course. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, so Bill C-8 is what the liberals call a conversion therapy bill. And what it does is it deals with um, uh, kids who are experiencing gender dysphoria uh, or sexual, uh, or with their sexual orientation— um, we're talking about uh, 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 banning, basically, counseling, uh, particularly for gender, kids going through gender dysphoria that would affirm the body that they were born with. So we, a lot of people don't really understand what's going on, but there's a lot of kids who are going through this gender dysphoria right now, a lot more uh, every year than, than prior years. It's something that's increasing. It's a social phenomenon. We also know that most kids who go through this will actually grow out of it. And there's different studies, but uh, there's rates as high as 80-plus percent that by the time they reach puberty, they are identifying back with if they're born a girl, then they identify as a girl. And I, I think that's good. Um, what the liberals are saying is that you can, you can, it is entirely legal to have your child uh, take puberty blockers or get gender reassignment surgery But it is illegal to get some type of counseling that would affirm that child in the body that they're born with. In fact, a parent or a therapist could go to jail for five years. Um, Given the stats of kids that grow out of this, I think that's just silly. Um, We've seen the UK do the opposite, where they've said, listen, we're going to ban these sex change operations for kids under 18. That, to me, makes a lot more sense. And the UK is not a a country of religious fanatics so and that, that was that, that, the that,
1: issue that uh, JK Rowling got embroiled in I guess uh, because uh, she took a strong stand uh, in that regard is that right
2: that's correct so JK Rowling has said some very interesting things um, and I agree with them frankly and she is she's by no means a religious uh, zealot so I mean these are like the, the critique that, that JK Rowling had is exactly the type of thing that conservatives could have but more often afraid of being, you know, seen as, uh, I mean, the liberals will call us racist and homophobic and all these words anyway. So we might as well uh, have, you know, reasonable uh, critiques of these types of bills and have a conservative alternative. And I think that it's very easy to do that.
1: Can I just, uh, I just want to state for the record, because it is my podcast too, uh, I I, uh, am in favor of uh, trans rights. I do see the issue pertaining to children and who has influence over them, whether it's parents or, or the state. So I, do, I, do, I, I would take issue with anyone who would l- remove trans rights for, a, for an adult that, uh, uh, that sees their gender uh, in, in a different way, perhaps, than that which they were born but uh, I do see the issue when it pertains to children. So I wanted to state that for my own uh, peace of mind. Uh, you you don't want pro- the Twitter podcast. trolls to come at
0: you. Well, no, I, I, I,
1: <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't want people to, to think that uh, I'm, I'm anti-trans rights because I'm not. I'm pro-trans rights. Excellent. So there, we got that out of the way. But uh, can, I, can I ask, though, about uh, cancel culture? Because it's very interesting. Like, I, I think uh, you know, six months ago, uh, there were people talking about cancel culture, Jordan Peterson as an example, uh, but uh, they were being shouted down. They, they, their, their views that were saying we can't, uh, we, we have to have a society where we debate these issues properly, Jordan Peterson was being shouted down for that. Then just recently, extraordinarily, uh, a group of people from around the world, J.K. Rowling, but also Margaret Atwood, Noam Chomsky of all people. Uh, Write this letter saying, look, you know, cancel culture is bad. Let's defeat arguments by having better arguments rather than by silencing people. Uh, Are you witnessing this phenomenon as well? Is this something that you're attuned to?
2: Yeah, so that's that's one of the reasons why I got into this race. Being in uh, in law school uh, several years ago, I saw this firsthand. And I think it really broke out on the university scene first which is why, you know, people like Jordan Peterson were, were, were talking about it. But it, it is mainstream now. And, you know, it's interesting. We, we had a debate last night in B.C., and they gave a, a poll to the audience. And every single riding in B.C. Uh, was, was represented there, and there were thousands of conservatives that were on this uh, debate. And uh, they gave them a list of, uh, I think, 9 or 10 or 12 issues, all of which were good ones, and they said, what's highest on your priority list? and there was the economy and many other conservative issues, free speech, believe it or not, got something like 50% uh, as a number one priority. Every other issue was like 5%, 6%, 7%. So we're, we're talking about the economy got 8 or 9% versus 50% for free speech. So this is a hot-button issue uh, right now on the campaign trail. Um, I'm not the only candidate talking about this. I'm certainly very strong on this. Uh, I've been speaking about various aspects of cancel culture. Uh, one way that I'm unique is I'm talking about dealing with cancel culture and banning on social media platforms, which is uh, very troubling, and uh, we have to address that.
1: I, I agree with you. I, uh, in fact, wh- back in the day, I was uh, I was asked once when I was a provincial politician, you know, do you believe in freedom of speech? And I said, without uh, any irony at all, I'd die for it. You know, Maybe there's very few things I'd die for. Uh, my family was, would be one of them, but freedom of speech would be another. And uh, in that sense, we, we have to be able to defend it. I've got one more question, Jody. Am I allowed to do it? Yes,
0: yes. yes. All right.
1: One more question for you. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Where do you stand on that?
2: <laughs> you know, uh, I, I have to go with the Beatles. I oh, have no, to wow. go with the Beatles. Okay. That's okay. And, what,
1: and who's your favorite Beatle? Uh,
2: you know what? I, I, I always say Paul McCartney.
1: Okay. Did you know that uh, Ringo Starr turned 80 years old this week?
2: I didn't know that. No, that's
1: great. I know that's great, and it makes us all feel very old when (laughs) Ringo Starr had turned 80. So there you go. Derek, thanks so much for doing this.
0: We wish you all the best on the rest of the campaign trail. And uh, when you're elected or if you're elected leader, uh, definitely make sure that uh, you make some time for us.
2: Well, I won't won't shadow ban you or ban you, and I appreciate the time that you gave me today.
1: For sure. All right, thanks, Derek. Okay, Derek, take care. Thank
0: you. So there you go. Uh, Rolling Stones not selected. He selected the Beatles. You okay with that?
1: Yeah, you know it's. Uh, <laughs> you know
0: what are you gonna do?
1: You know. <laughs> did I, he just
0: drop on your ballot because of that? I, I think you, did, it
1: might have had an. No, it, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know whether there's any correct answer to that. To be honest with you. Every
0: time, every time I hear about the Beatles or talk about, I'm not a huge Beatles guy. First of all, uh, I'm. They're great musicians, but I just not. I can honestly say I. I have never really. I don't know if I've ever owned a Beatles music. Is that or, right? I don't eh? ever listen to Beatles music. No. Wow. So anyway, but what I was going to say is, every time someone talks about the Beatles, I always think of the Saturday Night Live skits, where <laughs> it was like, who would it have been? Mike Myers playing Paul McCartney. And do you ever you ever remember these ones? I don't remember them. That's a long be like, way
1: back. Hey, I Paul, I'm going to play the plonkie plonk. Like going <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. you know. The
0: swingity swing. Yeah, all
1: this kind of stuff. I, I was, uh This book I'm reading is about uh, Rolling Stone magazine and Jan Wenner, who is the founder. And uh, One interesting tidbit I've, I've, I learned was that uh, Paul McCartney saved John Lennon's marriage. Oh, wow. Uh, he was split up from Yoko Ono. This is well after the Beatles had, uh, had gone kaput. And uh, Yoko, through an intermediary. Oh, wow. Talked to Paul and said, "Paul, can you talk to John? I'm willing to take him back, uh, you know." Uh, and so Paul went to John. This is, you know, everybody thought they were never they never talked to one another again. Paul went to John and said, "Look, you're miserable without Yoko. Here's how you get back to Yoko. But you got to romancer. You got to bring her flowers. You gotta you gotta make like you care." And John took the advice, and they got back together until wow. the day he died. So. A, li- a nice little Beatles story. Little plonky plonk. <laughs>
0: you're bad. Anyway, I'm gonna wrap up with a uh, quote from uh, Justin. Okay. Because we started with one, and I just want to remind, so this is my best Justin impression, and a quote from him. <clears throat> we did your groceries, so
1: you wouldn't have to. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs>
0: I'm here all week, people. Thank you. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you in seven days.
1: Absolutely.